This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Travel Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hey guys, good morning. This is Dean Locke. I'm the head of business development at Riskified. Um, And what I love travel is, uh, I think with so much of my travel being business, it it really creates an opportunity to bond in a way that you don't have um, in an office type environment, um, as well as all the experiences that you get while in uh, new cities. What does your average fraudster look like these days? You might not be surprised. It's the 16-year-old living in his mom's basement. Fraud prevention has been a huge topic within the travel industry. Big enterprise companies are shutting down entire revenue streams to control this issue. You'll hear from a company whose focus has been on innovation and building the very best product to squash these quote-unquote whack-a-moles. This is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry. why is fraud such a big problem in the travel industry? Well, it's a, it's a big problem in the travel industry for a few reasons, right? One is that um, it's, it's a high-ticket uh, item, right? It's a high-dollar value, so it's attractive to fraudsters um, in the sense that it's, they can sell it and it's a lot of money per transaction as opposed to some of the smaller-ticket items. Um, the other thing, it being a digital good, it's very difficult from a fraud perspective to identify whether an order is legitimate or fraudulent. Um, So for them, it's a a great opportunity for both of those reasons. One, it's difficult to to manage from the travel perspective, and then the other being that it's a lucrative business for them, Um, as well as the impact on the business and and travel being one of the industries with smaller margins. Um, The impact of chargebacks are are really sort of magnified um, and can really impact the the profits that, whether it's an airline or an OTA, um, experience from fraud. I'm trying to imagine what a, like, what a fraudster really looks like, you know, what is a, what is like the, the instance of, is it some person in their basement with like, like the old fashioned hacker and uh-huh. like, like pulling off fraud or is it, is it like this, you know, how's it all shake out? Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you a story. Actually, there's I was working with a guy who's a consultant. He was this is not necessarily this is just fraud related, not travel specific. But mm-hmm. um, a company was losing like millions of dollars to one person, um, and they knew exactly where he was located. And they started to get law enforcement involved because now it was like a, a reached a point where um, they could prosecute. So they end up going to this house in New Jersey, and lo and behold, the person taking millions of dollars from them is a 16-year-old boy in his mom's basement <laughs> stealing from one of the, the largest uh, uh, companies in the world. Um, so just like it, it does very widely, very widely. And uh, God, he must have bought so many video games. <laughs> that's not far off. That's not far off. Yeah. <laughs> what do kids buy nowadays? Candy still? I don't know. Sneakers. Like sneakers. Fortnite. I've heard. Fortnite. All the Fortnite upgrades. It's always Fortnite. The answer is always Fortnite. Oh wow! So, um, what is what is you know, Riskified's quite a robust uh, fraud prevention solution. Right. Could you walk us through what that product looks like and and you know, front to back, what somebody would kind of experience using it? Sure. Um, so, 
Briskified on, on a high level, very basic, is we provide decisions to approve or deny a transaction uh, based on the likelihood of fraud. Um, if we a- approve a transaction that ends up as a fraudulent order, we'll reimburse the merchant uh, the full amount. Um, so from the merchant side, right, they get a, a product that offers them sort of an indemnification um, against fraud, while on the customer side, it's invisible. So it's not something that when you go to check out um, or pay for your item that you kind of see as an extra layer of like authentication where sometimes you'll get like that notification that'll pop up like please enter new information or or whatever it may be so we help companies sort of avoid what we call friction in that payment space so what are additional use cases you see in travel how are you guys going to grow as you know obviously you're you're mitigating current risks, but is where do you see new risks popping up as the industry evolves? Where do I see new risks popping up as the industry evolves? I, I think f- within fraud, it, it's a, just a very dynamic environment um, because it, at the end of the day, there you'll put things in place to prevent fraud and prevent fraudsters from stealing from you, but you have to understand that this is their livelihood. If you introduce, there's a new regulation in the EU, PSD2, um, that's supposed to to help with this. But the way that we kind of view things is at the end of the day, um, they they aren't going to quit their jobs just because you've introduced some sort of controller or blocker, right? They're going to continue to find new and inventive ways to get around those. That's what they they do 40 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Um, So in, in, in travel specifically, um, what it creates is an environment where it's very difficult to kind of expand internationally or um, so the the future of it, again, it's just a, a thing that continues to evolve and has evolved in the same way over the last 10 years. Hmm. It, it, uh, I'm not sure if I'm accurate in this. Do you um, do you hold the liability on the on the um, fraudulent charges? Or do you, is it still held by, say, an OTA? Like, do you guarantee on the fraud that you're, I guess, you know, identifying? We do. We just, as soon as the, the reimbursement hits, the OTA would be essentially squared away. And then on the back end, we would either probably go back to dispute that chargeback. Um, oftentimes, when you look at how fraud occurs, um, some of it, or a good proportion of it actually, is going to be friendly fraud, which very difficult to identify as a fraudulent because it looks like a a legitimate customer because frankly it is right Um, and then someone maybe gets buyer's remorse and they go back and file chargeback so we also work a lot on the representment or dispute side to win that portion of the chargebacks but the merchant is um, covered at that point got it interesting so um Prior to my role at JetBlue Ventures, I worked on the airways side, um, and we saw we actually had to shut down our gift card program because of the fraud. So let's talk about gift cards and travel (laughs) and fraud, because I'm really curious, um, you know, a, a large company shouldn't have to shut down a whole revenue stream just because of fraud. So is this something you guys are thinking about, and and how does that all work? Absolutely. Gift cards... Much like uh, travel is one of the most um, targeted uh, products because of it. Uh, gift cards even more so. Gift cards is essentially cash yeah. um, for a fraudster. So when we look at gift cards, it's very similar to travel in that even on those gift cards, the margin for the OT for the travel company is not uh, 
it's not like a fashion margin where they have 30, 40% maybe, right? You're, you're still not making a lot on that gift card. Um, so the reason you, you probably have to shut it down is because the impact, again, of chargebacks is so magnified that it wipes out any sort of profit margin and makes it the, the business unprofitable. Um, so the way that we kind of view that is for people looking to open up either whether it's new markets or new um, product categories like gift cards. Um, so we help them by making sure that they're approving enough orders to, to gain that while being indemnified against the chargebacks that could create an unprofitable environment for that product. And how does the technology layer work there? Like at what point does the technology actually come in? It it largely depends on what the the merchant kind of where they want us to sit within the order flow. So right if we look at right the point of authorization where they go to the call out to the bank to see if it has funds in it. Um so we can sit we sit, you know, sometimes pre auth, so pre authorization or before that authorization happens. Um or we can sit post-authorization. So I think that's getting a little bit um, too much into the weeds, but essentially as soon as the, the customer clicks checkout, um, basically it gets sent to us at some point and we verify the transaction without the customer even really being aware that we're running in the background. Interesting. How, uh, I guess like, what, what really checks against making, like what is it, what identifies a, a fraudulent uh, transaction, you know, I mean, yeah. inevitably, what well, you can be sitting in that position, but is it just when it hits the bank? What if it's a, you know the credit card? How's that? How's it truly identified as a fraudulent claim? Yeah, well, if you think about it in travel and like digital goods specifically, it's it's a bit more challenging because you don't have a right, you don't have a shipping address. It's largely dependent right. on limited data points. Um, so, a couple of the things that are always going to be important, right? You want to look at like the, the, the shipping address is essentially the email address. That's where the, the goods are actually going. So uh, yeah. that's going to be obviously a, a point that you take into consideration as well as um, the IP address, right? But again, in travel creates a, a very interesting space where how important is an IP address going to be when it's people that are on the go? I'm, when I'm traveling for business, I kind of laugh because I'll be out in Chicago, let's say, and I'm I'm booking a ticket for next week when I'm going to San Francisco or whatever it may be. So it's someone that's on the go and now my credit card is not tied to that location necessarily. So it, it's more of understanding what the specific challenges are within the, the space um, and then applying specific for us models that um, help us to identify that or, or be a bit more accurate um, in identifying good customers versus fraudulent orders. Interesting. How did this all start? I mean, this is a you know pretty specific issue, and yeah, yeah pretty, uh, yeah. How did how did it, it get off the ground? Um, so our founders were in the the space um, before. They had worked for a company called Fraud Sciences, um, which was acquired by PayPal eventually. Um, Small nice. company, never heard of PayPal. <laughs> PayPal, yeah. Uh, <laughs> little, not sure if you heard of it. Yeah. Um, no, so they, uh, so they, that's how how they kind of got their their background in there. And uh, the other founder of ours was a machine learning guy from MIT, um, and they kind of started building out the models. And I think they hit a point where the technology caught up really um, and allowed the, the type of data that you that's required for effective like machine learning models today 
Um, and this was in about five years ago. The company, well, they, they started and then PayPal kind of acquired them. They went on to um, work to build out, you know, Riskified and, and really create the chargeback guarantee model. Um, so what they decided was that, hey, if, if we're going to do this, what companies are going to start to want to look at is something that will really give them that assurance um, that if you're giving them a decision, they want to know that you have some, they call it skin in the game, a lot of companies. So that was the, the I think, the shift from older models to kind of what this next generation of fraud solutions are, are really going to look like. Yeah, it's funny when I, I think I've mentioned to, well, I know I've mentioned to others that Riskified, uh, like um guarantees on the the uh liability and their jaw drops yeah, <laughs> they're like it's literally not what you're, that's crazy yeah. they don't they almost How does your business they don't believe work? it it's, they don't yeah. they 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 don't believe it and like <laughs> you know again we start as a, a chargeback guarantee model and what we would do is just hey like send us basically to track transactions that you would decline mm -hmm. um and that was very early on that was the i guess what i call the the sort of go to market um and then what what that forced us really to do is you had to be very good from the beginning because you think about it, you're only making money on orders you approve yeah. and you're paying for all the chargebacks that come in. So the, the company itself is extremely product focused. Um, I think when I started, there was 120 R&D folks and I think 25 in sales and marketing, just to give you an idea of how focused they were on building out uh, the the best product that they could. And um, that's where the, the investments continue to be made. That's super interesting. Well, um, you brought us something today. I see cake is written on it. <laughs> I did. I did. I, my eyes were just peering at it. <laughs> I mentioned I, I do live in Hoboken, so I would... Uh, so this is the Cake Boss, um, oh, the, wow. the famous Cake Boss right in Hoboken. And uh, yeah, a couple of different snacks. I have some of my favorites, Linzer Tart, uh, Rainbow Cookies, and then some of the what they're known for, the Lobster Tails and um, a Lobster Tails and a Chocolate Mousse Cake. Oh my so gosh. Cake, yeah. This is very... Decadent. Yeah. Decadent <laughs> <laughs> is right. Awesome. Coolest dive in. Cool. Coming up, you'll hear from Dean on what it was like for Riskify to enter into the travel industry, and also on the future of fraud prevention. There's so much talk about innovation today, not all of it is real or relevant. Take time to listen to the Innovators podcast to discover real leaders and relevant disruptors changing the future of fashion, luxury, and retail everywhere. You hear Candid Chats weekly with executives, experts, and entrepreneurs from all around the globe. The Innovators Podcast, brought to you by The Current Global and produced with Mouth Media Network. Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at travelisyourbusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to mouthmedianetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. So Dean, Riskified wasn't, uh, it didn't start out in travel. Right, it's it's you know e-commerce company. Truthfully, from its origins, what was it like um, 
entering into the travel space, how is it received? There's, there's other solutions in, in this space that are you know, kind of focused on travel. How, how is navigating all of that? That's a great question. Um, it, it was definitely one of the most interesting things that I've been a part of. Um, initially for us, obviously looking at the size of the travel industry, it being like a very exciting vertical was a, a major focus of ours. Um, and we're able to enter in for a number of different reasons. One, um, to get our initial couple of clients within travel was just the, the same thing with the, the impact that chargebacks kind of had on their business. Um, from there, it was identifying the, the type of companies that we wanted to partner with within travel and really what's relevant. Uh, Voyager actually had a, a major part in that. Um, I know you and I had had met at that first travel uh, pitch night, right. um, which was a great event, um, kind of why we continued the relationship with Voyager. Um, then for us, from there, I think stemmed a lot of, I think Focus Right may have been shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. um, so we had connected with Kerry over at Amadeus. We're able to attend the, the Amadeus party. And I, I kind of found from that experience that this is where I want to focus, at least, right? Working with folks in travel, it just seemed to be uh, a, a much better environment um, or a much more fun environment, I should say. Uh, so. <laughs> Especially after an Amadeus party. And it was their 30th anniversary party. So we had um, an absolute blast. I was down in uh, Miami at the time with a colleague of mine. Uh, her and I actually ended up from that kind of really expanding our presence in the travel vertical, um, working with different companies, right? Not just OTA or, or flight specific, but then expanding into the, the packages um, and also you know, bus companies. We work with some of the, the, the biggest bus companies now to help them with this like growing issue. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. There's one with it, it all kind of that you saw like a big rise on uh, the EMV adoption. Once kind of the EMV chip took over, um, what that did was it created an environment which is much more difficult to counterfeit basically credit cards mm -hmm. or the, the Stripe. So then a lot of that fraud started to move online and, and travel specifically was hit pretty hard. Um, so we've seen graphs kind of with the spike from that like October date that, that kind of ran up. Um, and I think that the timing with Focusrite and everything was a bit fortuitous. And, and then it was a great learning experience at that point. It was you know, really working with them to understand the, the business, understand what they're looking to accomplish and, and some of the roadblocks for getting there. Um, so expanding into to travel for, for us was very fun um, and also like a, a great learning experience. And now when we speak to a lot of these travel companies, we already know kind of some of the challenges around the, the, the order flows, the ADMs, things like that. So all the, it's more, the, the challenge is really on the, the revenue and understanding where they're looking to go. Interesting. And talking about digital payment and, and the shift there, how are you guys kind of thinking about and preparing for the future that may come with cryptocurrencies and, you know, other digital transformation? Sure. It's it's something that is a, a topic that we kind of discuss on a, on a somewhat regular basis, just because just it's more interesting, I think, when you look at uh, the type of folks that, that we work with, it's more of just like exciting technologies, right? Yeah. Um, again, we we don't see large adoption of even the, the Apple Pays of the world. Um, when we speak with merchants, they're not seeing a ton of adoption yet. So we're not we're not totally um, 
focus on this in the short term. I think it's it's a longer term consideration, um, just because of the rates of adoption aren't where we where I think the the hype is a bit ahead of the actual <laughs> adoption. Good. So. I'm glad you just went out and said that you were like trying to say it, and then yeah, it's not there yet. That's that's cool. That's fine to say that. <laughs> it's right because i feel like everyone yeah. wants it to be there and if it's not it's not i was at uh, i'm not sure if it was a voy- was it a i think it was the voyager event here where there was um one <laughs> one panel early on it was all about bitcoin and, and how it's really going to revolutionize things um and totally change the the payment space and the next was the head of technology for another large company that was on and that was the summit, yeah, the they, Travel Disruption yeah, Summit. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. really funny. Yeah. yeah, they brought that I up. I remember that. Yeah, the first question they asked him, what's the most overhyped uh, thing in I space? I was on that. Like crypto. That was the um, Amadeus. <laughs> yeah, was I was on the panel. Yeah. <laughs> I think that you were interviewing funny. that. Exa- yeah. yeah. That yeah. is so... Everyone in the room. I love bashing crypto. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's a great technology. It's just a long time until it's really there for the the consumer, the average consumer, I would say. But it is something you guys are thinking about preparing for, right? And like new risk opportunity or protection opportunities that might surface around it. Right. And you're trying to be as proactive as you can be about the vulnerabilities within that ecosystem, because that's yeah. what ultimately fraudsters will exploit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to just be mindful of where we view like vulnerabilities and, and kind of the trends that might occur within that um, space. But outside of that, it's it's not going to be it, – it's something that you really have to see a little bit at first to understand how it's – right. we could we can hypothesize and, and come up with theories that we think people will use. But at the end of the day, it's, it's how it starts to occur and, and then we combat that. Got it. Well, blockchain, though, as a component of that might be interesting more for the actual core product, right? Because of the the smart contracts, the, you know, the, the way that you can actually verify across the decentralized network. Is there anything that, that Riskified's working on that you can disclose that um, that is around blockchain and or leveraging that technology? Uh I wouldn't be able to disclose anything uh, about that today. Um, and just overall, I think... Too I'll... risky? Sorry. <laughs> I had to do it. Uh, the ham. Uh, oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's... Right, today we're just focused on, on kind of what's ahead over the next few years. And longer term, obviously, there are a lot of things that we're taking into consideration. Yeah. The, you know, the, the now, I'm curious about... Um, to, you know, for one, different companies will approach digital currencies at their own rate. You know, an OTA is probably going to be a little different than a tour operator um, in terms of how they would think to utilize anything like that. But I'd be curious if it's been really different for you in in how you've experienced, say, the packages and the, the OTA and the airline. What's the big difference that you're seeing? Because selling enterprise and travel is... is it's it's no picnic, right? It's take, it takes a, a lot of patience and time. And um, so what's the big distinction between one or the other? So is the question on the big distinction within the separate product categories in travel? Yes. That's a better way of saying that. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure I understood as well. I just rambled. Yeah, it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I think, right, it, there are a couple, like, good indicators in travel that we see for fraudulent transactions that they're kind of known to everybody, right? If someone's buying a ticket with that departs in a day, um, yeah, that's a, a good indicator of a risky transaction, right? And then you kind of look at the, the kind of fraud that occurs where then they buy a ticket from 60 days out, but go to the agent at the front desk of the airport, change it out, and take a voucher for the rest. Um, so... There are indicators, but again, it's always kind of a bit fluid and, and will continue to evolve. In general, what we see is that packages and things like that are, are more uh, likely to be a good transaction. They're, they're less risky um, because of the – right, like fraudsters really don't, don't care. They're not taking the flight typically or, or they're not, they're not going to package it up. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if at the end of the day that starts to shift because once they figure out how things are being considered or viewed, right, then they, they react. There's a, a – for gift cards, uh, Bess, actually, there's a funny story that we had uh, – we work with a lot of gift card merchants. And you know, one thing was it was a good indicator if a note was on the gift card, right? If there was like mm-hmm. someone like happy birthday, right, that's like more likely to be a, a legitimate transaction. All of a sudden, we start seeing a lot of notes popping up. Right? <laughs> we have a mole right. in risk of five. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then you just kind of you right. That's why you, you it's so difficult to to kind of monitor this stuff, and why you mm. it, it requires so much R and D or, or really data science and analytics. Um, that just frankly, a lot of times for companies, especially in the travel space, travel space, don't make that doesn't make sense to keep internally. Um, right, you need your data scientists to be working on things for the business that are going to have a, a an impact on your your sales and growth. Um, not necessarily on on finding those fraudulent transactions and staying ahead of those trends. Um, it's very difficult to do, um, and that's why again, you know, the hundred. 200 person team that we have they're they're the ones that are focused on identifying these things and, and sort of the the benefit of that uh, but it's just always a funny story it's like playing people call it a game of whack-a-mole right because <laughs> they pop up you, you knock it down on one side and it pops up on the other so it's always it's always a fun space to be in and <laughs> it keeps us on our toes coming up you'll hear from dean on a more personal level entrepreneurista a woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive, forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. Through the conversations on the Entrepreneurista podcast, we want to celebrate failures, reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entrepreneurista podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have, with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done, and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram, with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurstapodcast.com. How are you finding the tech scene in New York? How do you like the community here? What are your thoughts on it? The tech scene in New York for for. Me, this is my really introduction into with Riskified into the the tech kind of really startup space. Um, 
So for us, having been here a couple of years now, um, we found the tech scene to be incredibly supportive. Um, we also have found like a, a lot of great, like, again, I, I can't speak highly enough of Voyager and the community that it's created here in the New York tech scene. Um, Thanks, but, man. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. Really. Um, and I kind of laugh because when we speak with some of the like smaller startup, like even founders, pre-seed uh, type folks, the, the interesting things that they're doing um, just to start to work on their companies. I mean, I was talking to one uh, person and they were hacking co-working spaces is I think the way that they um, put it. And basically what they were doing is just finding like the different co-working spaces that they can go into. Um, and I think one of them they mentioned was by like Lululemon or in, like a basement of something like that in the basement of Lululemon. Um, <laughs> and I just kind of like laughed at it and, and it, you can sort of get that real sense of like community as these different folks kind of move around the, the co-working spaces, get to know each other, get to know what everyone's working on. And hopefully it creates unique, not just friendships, but, you know, partnerships yeah. where people start to work a bit more closely together um, to continue to build out the New York tech scene. Um, it's been in a, a city that's uh, dominated really by the financial industry, which is now turning into the financial tech industry, right? And now the, the fintech space. So mm. um, I'm very excited about the the future of really fintech specifically in New York. I think you have, um, I think bread is, is maybe right around the corner and a couple others. So um, the, as I, I just hope that it really continues to um, expand within the, the city and take over from the financial industry. It's already creating some challenges for the financial industry around recruiting and, and finding yeah. tech talent. That's super interesting. Yeah, there's so many around this, like even on the, a couple blocks away. Flatiron is, yeah. is like the hotbed for fintech tech and yeah. fintech specifically. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bring my question back to travel. Um, what has been your favorite place to travel and why? Such a difficult question. <laughs> it's almost as if like the last place that I've been is my favorite place yep. that I've been. Um, I, like I was in SF uh, like a couple of, couple of days ago with a, a buddy of mine, and we were kind of walking around. Like that was my favorite place at the time. Uh, but I think if I look back on all of my trips, um, I, I, it's so tough to say one. Toronto was was one of the the cities that I really had a great time in, um, and then on a, a personal trip, Greece is probably my favorite. Uh, Santorini specifically, uh, the most beautiful place I've ever been for sure. Um, that's without question. Um, also, delicious food and, and just a wonderful group of people in in that little island. Awesome. Well, is there a final thought you'd want to share? It could be a reflection on what we've talked about or just generally. No, no final thoughts. Just I really wanted to thank you guys for having me in and continuing to have me in as we kind of visit the Voyager events. Um, you know, really, again, just what you guys are doing here is great for the community. Um, and you're kind of building your own community within that. So really continue to to you know, work as hard as you guys work and, you know, we'll, we'll be there to support you along the way. Awesome. Thanks. Is there a way that, um, somebody listening could get in touch with you or the work you're doing at Riskified? Sure. My email is dean.lock at riskified.com. Um, feel free to, yeah, send me a note.
Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on the show today. Uh, this was really fun. We made fra- we made fraud very fun today. Um, <laughs> you know, I never, I never thought that like when that I would have so much fun in fraud. I really don't. <laughs> it's pretty uh, cool. But it's been a, a, a wild ride. <laughs> awesome. And for my co-host, Bess Chapman. Happy trails. I'm your co-host, John Madsen. Bon voyage. This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.